Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we are going to talk about the long-awaited series or season three finale of Westworld titled Crisis Theory. Um, just got finished watching this today. What did you think, Kyle? Um, so I was not super impressed with this week's, or I guess this whole season as a general, kind of as we've been going on, I've kind of kept saying that there's just a lot of like plot, I think issues that are happening and like bouncing around and not being very linear, which I guess is something that Westworld has always not really been, which is linear. But, um, it just seems like a lot of the things that we saw in the first six, five or six episodes didn't even really pay off in the season finale. And then everything that we were like being told and everything that people were kind of theorizing, um, pretty much took an entire 180 degree turn and it was not like what anyone thought. Yeah. It really just seemed like to come to a screeching halt for me. Um, and I think the overwhelming feeling that I had watching the finale was just boredom. I, yeah. I don't know. I, it felt like there were so many things kind of coming to a, uh, kind of like a final crescendo. And mm-hmm. I feel like they tried to like almost overdose on the action and like visual aspects of the show and not really pay attention to the different like motivations behind each character or even just the, the arcs of certain characters. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. It just, yeah, I think boring is a good way to put it because it just definitely did not feel like a finale. I know last week I mentioned how for this one to kind of give us everything we wanted, it needed to be longer, like almost an hour and a half and watching this, I almost, like you, you kept checking like, okay, how much longer is this going to be? Like it definitely was the opposite of what I thought it needed. Yeah. It definitely dragged and like a good first half of the episode was just Caleb and Dolores, like trying to make their way to insight. Um, mm-hmm. and then you would think that, you know, something pretty substantial would happen thereafter, but it was really just a lot of like, kind of emotional pining and really not and kind of like confusing changes of character and changes of heart on behalf of the three kind of major players on the good I guess you kind of say the good guy side like uh, Maeve, Dolores and Caleb Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah it was kind of disappointing Um, and I don't don't really like it feels weird it's like after this season heading into season four is almost where I imagined season three would pick up yeah you know what i mean this kind of like um you know like the host kind of being loose into the real world um and it's like it took all of season three for that to kind of start right yeah um but yeah i uh i I don't know it was just like the episode was also all over the place you kind of had bernard his little journey of like reconciliation um even though like early on in the episode he's told he's like he plays an important part but we don't really see like what that part is right <laughs> like, I remember, yeah. I, i'm kind of just realizing that now yeah it's yeah like you were talking talking about like our main players in the storyline it's just like bernard 
from playing like such huge roles in season one and season two, like he's kind of reduced to just like a filler character in this season. And right. William is as confused as he is confusing to me. Like, I don't even like know what is really happening with that aspect. And then, I mean, Maeve's only concern is her daughter, even though a made up child living in a virtual world doesn't seem like it shouldn't mean much to a self-aware host, but right, who's capable of reasoning. Right. And, and it's just like Dolores has a master plan that she, I guess she like executed it pretty perfectly in her, in her way, but there's also like zero ex- exploration of what it means that she would like create clones of herself just right. to kill them. Like, isn't she just committing right. the same like quote unquote sin as her creator was? Yeah. I, I guess there's kind of faults in her own plan or her logic, the logic behind her plan, her reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think in then. Uh, Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one one last thing is um, I think Charlotte Hale and Tessa Thompson did a great job. I think she had a really great storyline through the whole season three. However, I think she deserves more than becoming like another one dimensional, like big bad at the end of this thing. So that's, sure. that was sad to see. Yeah, because you've seen so many complicated, I guess, changes of character or positions on this kind of lie in the sand of good and evil. That's kind of always been a pretty common theme through this, is kind of the ambiguity as to who is the good guy and who's the bad guy. And it's like all it took was one, an, again, for some for a host that's self-aware, by killing its family, all of a sudden it just like irrationally becomes this like evil. I, I don't know, it just it felt weird and inconsistent with the way that the other characters have evolved throughout the show. Right. It's almost like that saying like Westworld wants to have its cake and, and eat it too. And right. It just doesn't really work out that way. Again, I, I enjoy watching this season because I enjoy Westworld, but it almost felt like season three was a different show. Like, I don't know if they were trying to do like this soft reboot of what, Westworld is and I was really excited to see what the world outside of Westworld was I think that was kind of a cool look into it um, because that's kind of what people and what you think when you watch season one and season two it's like how is this happening what's going outside the park and then we kind of see that now um, but it wasn't anything that I thought it would be yeah and like at this point through the season I'm almost like bored with the outside world although with kind of the events that happen within the episode you know, you're kind of intrigued as to what the world will look like um, after these events, after this kind of revolution. Um, although in the post credit scene that we see with William, I won't go into too many details, uh, the world mm-hmm. seems pretty normal. Like everything is kind of going pretty smoothly. Yeah. Um, but the, the one thing I would say about this episode was it really kind of solidified for me that this show has really taken a step back from the very... Like he probably could have called season one pretty groundbreaking, especially oh, yeah. in the era of like Game of Thrones and all these big time, big budget HBO specials that were just really pushing the boundaries of filmmaking and storytelling. And to me, it feels like this is just another, um, 
just like it, like it could be on like TNT, <laughs> you know? Right. It's just a cable television show, sci-fi thriller. Um, yeah. And I feel like another thing before we get into the recap is just like Westworld, especially in season one, there were so many twists that were so impactful and like drove the story forward. And this finale of season three was full of a lot of twists, but a lot of them just kind of left me being like, okay, like, so what? Right. Well, yeah. It, it just doesn't impact the storyline at all or change any of the characters. They're just like, and, and they've gotten into the habit so far of this season of just pretty much like leaving the viewer in the dark for so long. And then, mm-hmm. you know, dr- break, like dropping this twist on viewers, but having like Dolores explain it in a 20 minute conversation with Caleb <laughs> or Sirach doing his like bad guy monologue to, Maven Dolores, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, it makes for an entertaining watch, but the show itself, like having anchored yourself on season one and season two, it's a little disappointing, I'd say, as a Westworld fan. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Especially you know, with season one was pretty groundbreaking. It was unlike anything else that was on television at that time, and that's kind of how it hooked me in. And then season two, um. I didn't really love season two either. I think season three might've just been a little bit more interesting than season two, just because of the, you know, outside world and everything, but change of the setting. Yeah. But anyways, I guess we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into the recap. So if you haven't seen, uh, season three, episode eight of Westworld yet, crisis theory, uh, go ahead and pause the podcast and come back and give it a listen once you've watched and let us know what you think. Yep. Um, so we open with Caleb essentially fleeing uh, the kind of happenings of the last episode, the showdown between Maven Dolores and his kind of discovery of Solomon and all the implications of that. Uh, and meanwhile, one of Sirach's men discovers Maven Dolores' bodies with uh, Dolores's control unit pretty obviously missing. Um, William, uh, you know, after the events of the last episode, basically tells Bernard and Stubbs that Dolores wants to burn everything to the ground and that he's going to save the world, and he starts shooting. Uh, he hits Stubbs, and Bernard hits his button to transform himself and then subdues William. Uh, but in the middle of all that, the SFPD show up, but it's revealed that it's actually Major Craddock uh, from seasons one and two, who is the last Dolores that we had been missing throughout the season. He's got a tank of explosives, which are headed for San Francisco. He gives Bernard a package, tells him that he's been playing the most important part, and then directs him to go visit, quote-unquote, her. Yeah. Um, that police officer was actually Lawrence. Lawrence? Lawrence, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I must have gotten that wrong. My bad. Mm-hmm. Which, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who had been a friend, I believe, to William throughout his time at the park, right? Yeah, he was. Because mm-hmm. I think there was a story arc where William saves Lawrence from something and bonds mm-hmm. with his family and uh, and all that stuff. But it was pretty cool. And we, yeah. and we see that that briefcase that he gives him was the same one that 
Musashi was having in the little restaurant when he got jumped by Clementine. Um, I think that okay, was yeah that, that he was, was sending to, he was like sending it away to seemingly Lawrence, who was the last Dolores. Correct. Which I guess were, which we eventually know that why Bernard was given this briefcase and what that kind of meant for his kind of role in season three. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting because at this point I, I wasn't sure who he was being sent to see her. I didn't know who her was. And that was, that was a nice little yeah. cliffhanger. I kind of assumed it was uh, Dolores, but I think that's obviously what it was intended for the audience to believe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, poor Stubbs gets blasted in the chest, takes another beating. <laughs> right. I feel like he's just kind of the human shield of this, this season. His final beating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and once again, I'm still not sure how Bernard's little button works because he kind of goes yeah. like blackout commando beat the crap out of everybody. But then as soon as Lawrence shows up, he's like back to normal and just like recognizes what's going on. Yeah. We missed the part where he turns back into Dr. Jekyll. From yeah. His Mr. Hyde stage. Seemingly just a slight oversight in an episode that I'm sure a lot of things were overlooked with its breath and a lot of the physical effects of the show. Right. And this is um, the first showing of the most terrible aim that anyone ever has in the universe of Westworld. I yeah. Know, I know like William like hits stubs. Okay. He has a shotgun. He's like five feet away. Yeah. But I mean, we'll we'll get into those scenes later, but the shooting in this show has been very underwhelming. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> like the scene when Maeve kind of ambushes Dolores later in the the episode. Yeah, and it's like, what is that? Like, you, there's five guys next to you on this bridge. Yeah, and then you can hit a single shot. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So in the next transition, we essentially see the same Rehoboam view that we've seen throughout the season, except there's divergences all over the world and the screen is just like covered in black. So there's total chaos happening all over the world. Um, Caleb takes Dolores's Pearl to an undisclosed location in Los Angeles and completes a Dolores by numbers. Uh, and what we later learned to be basically Dolores's like one of Dolores's early mechs that she must have hidden in LA somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. She reveals that he was trained in Park 5, uh, which was the last park that hadn't been identified by the show yet, where the military wanted to use real targets and where they also tracked all of the soldiers' actions and thoughts throughout their training. Um, the system identified him as a threat, essentially, and used him and drugged him until he was no longer needed. Uh, jaded at the idea of not having free will, Caleb asks if this is her freeing him, and she responds no, but that he has a chance to free the world. Hmm. Um, so I will definitely be the first to admit that I was wrong about my domestic terrorism theory uh, that I kind of put out there last episode. It seems like the shots that we saw of him killing people in like a what looked like an American suburban setting were really from the training at this park. Yeah, so I I guess Caleb is a good guy, a decent guy, maybe is the better word. Like, 
like you said, we Dolores chose Caleb to lead this revolution, not because of his proficiency at violence from being in the military. Mm-hmm. It was more that she chose him because of his ability to make choices and I guess to stand up for what's right and to kind of go up against a group who is on this wrong course of action. Of wanting to like take advantage of the women hosts that they rescue in this training exercise. Right, which also says a lot about what a daily like hellhole Westworld was for like its host. Mm-hmm. That of all the you know, like humans Dolores came in contact with over the years, like the most pure and like worthy person she's ever encountered was some soldier who was just like, eh, you know, I, we probably I guess, shouldn't, yeah, like, <laughs> shouldn't brutalize these extremely lifelike robots, right? That know. are basically here for us to do that, right? And Westworld's kind of this like center for aberrant behavior, but yeah. So, but the way that they frame it in this part of the episode, mm-hmm. they make they make the fact that she chose him because he stood up for the hosts almost like a reveal at the end of this episode. Yeah. You know, at this point it's almost like being suggested by the show as sort of a red herring that like Dolores is trying to like shame him for his actions in the park. Mm -hmm. Cause you, you can sort of see that shame come over his face. Um, and it's almost, it's kind of like not cool for her to like misrepresent that and make him think that, he was like party to this brutalization, like you were saying of these of these hosts, right? Um, and I got to say, this is also probably the most boring idea for Park Five they could have come up with. Just like a military training facility, yeah, training field. I really wanted another themed uh, world, whatever it may be. Yeah, uh, seemed odd, but maybe that's where they make their money. By like getting different militaries to come train like there, military contracts, yeah, like real life training. I guess. Yeah, know. I guess so. Um, I was also pretty. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. I kind of balked at the way Dolores just put herself together, mm-hmm. and the sort of like fleshy latex skin pieces that just like turned into human skin on her it was kind of an odd thing to, to witness. <laughs> Yeah, well, I also thought it was interesting, I guess maybe because she's, no, we've seen it before. So when she was under the bridge, like in the park in the very Mm -hmm. first few episodes, she got shot and then she was like bleeding and she kind of like suckered Caleb into helping her. So she kind of baited him in. But then we see her in other episodes take shots and there is no blood. So it's like she's just she just did that to kind of rope him into this plan that he eventually executes. Right. Yeah. I think, well, there's a, there's a part later in the episode where she takes a sword from Maeve and basically is like, um, I'm like in my old body, like not when they made us weak, like the humans. Mm -hmm. Um, so the body that she had under the bridge was seemingly like one of the newer ones where it's more close, like close to, actual like a human body whereas she was like almost indestructible in her original mech or skin or whatever you want to call it right yeah um so we then see william meet with his i don't even know what you call this guy like accountant business partner someone we've never seen before who just like serves the purpose of helping william Mm -hmm. um and asks for his money 
a jet and the locations of Dallas assets around the world so that he can quote unquote, save the world. Meanwhile, a resurrected Maeve is directed by Serac to hunt down Dolores's Pearl to get the key to the Sector 16 data that he needs. While on their way to Insight with an armed Rico escort, Caleb and Dolores are ambushed by a projection of Holoris and Rico agents that she puts in Dolores's name. And then they're ambushed by the police. Caleb escapes, and then Dolores is ambushed again by Maeve, <laughs> who asks Dolores to let her inside her mind or she'll get inside herself. Dolores instead decides to go John Wick on the police that are with Maeve. Yeah, so this um, kind of is what we were alluding to earlier with yeah. the trained operatives of this world being hired by this very prestigious private company and they they can't hit anything right and yeah totally inept like there's like i think there's like there's like 12 policemen that she runs through Mm -hmm. which like don't get me wrong it makes for like a cool john wick-esque like close quarter combat fight pretty entertaining but when you take a step back you, you think like these 12 police officers and it's not like it's not like Dolores is like moving at superhuman speeds or had like superhuman strength, you know? Right. They just like, were totally unable to do anything to get past Tater. And it's um, unfortunate because we've seen this a lot with this show where things happen or don't happen when it's convenient for the plot right. to like move forward. And this is definitely totally. one of those things like, Oh, we can't have Dolores just die on a bridge. But it's right. Like, mm. And in this sequence, it's like 15 minutes of them like, okay, they walk across the bridge, they walk through like a mall, they get ambushed, they leave the mall, walk back across the bridge. And it's just like, it's just this physical movement from one place to another without very much happening besides like the two ambushes. Right. And then on top of that, like what, I still don't get why they're fighting. Like, Hale, Haloris is like out for vengeance against Dolores and can seemingly like control her thoughts and actions. And then like Maeve, I still don't understand why she feels so strongly about stopping Dolores besides like the, the virtual daughter that they have hostage. Yeah. This whole, like, I guess this is kind of the middle section of the episode. Um, Mm -hmm. It does. It feels a lot like a video game, like where you're just kind yeah. of like running through places and you. There's a cutscene. Yeah, and you know you kill you know a dozen guys single handedly <laughs> and and all that stuff and it just seemed like you said it, I, I give props to the stunt teams who clearly like worked really hard yeah. on this and especially with Mave and that sword. Um, but visually it it was just kind of misplaced. Yeah. It just felt lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that like the way that Dolores just uses her virtual assistant to do things in split second real time was really getting old for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a point when she just rattled off a whole paragraph to this virtual assistant. She was like, close off this street, hire three people. Uh, do this, this, and this, and this, and then have these guys escort us. 
<laughs> and then yeah. like mid battle she's like have this sniper take out those two and walk away and then it just like happens it's like why are they even doing this then like right. just have your virtual assistant do the whole thing yeah yeah i mean and again convenient what if what if they didn't agree what if the sniper didn't want to kill his right. brother like it just if dolores wished something then it came to be but anyway. so, yeah, we'll move past that one. Um, in another Dolores versus Maeve showdown, we learn that Dolores is the first, like, super strong, almost indestructible version of herself. And after seemingly defeating Maeve, Dolores is stopped by the projection of Holoris, who can apparently control Dolores. Mm-hmm. Um, making his way through a riot, Caleb reunites with Giggles and Ash who help him get to a police chopper to take the drive, the thumb drive with the strategy that Solomon made to insight to shut down the system. Um, so yeah, again, so we, I, we kind of, we kind of see here that Haloris is able to apparently control Dolores physically. Um, but it's not really brought up again throughout the rest of the episode. I don't know if you didn't notice that. No, I didn't. It must be a piece of just a dynamic that they're kind of using to set the table for season four, I guess. Yeah. Although now that Dolores has gone, why does it matter? I just thought that was weird. Right. Yeah, I guess since Dolores was kind of like the original and she like everyone was made out of a copy of her maybe that was why Ciroc because at first I was like why can't Ciroc just make like a bunch of maves to send after Dolores right but I guess when you get into copying a copy of a copy it gets a little bit <laughs> more tricky yeah I guess it's kind of like how Dolores went a little rogue yeah yeah um again we have like another 10 minutes I feel like could have just been cut out of Caleb getting like escorted through this riot Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point I saw I don't know if you caught this but the the Westworld maze in the riot scene oh was it spray painted on the wall yeah it was like spray painted mm-hmm. on the wall yeah. um, so to me this felt like it had Ford like Ford written all over it I was half expecting Ford to kind of just pop out in well, this episode well I certainly did and I'll get back to that when we get towards the the closing scenes. Yeah. Yeah, because they showed him on the previously on and usually when they show things on the previous on, previously on they kind of appear in that current episode. Yeah. Maybe that was just the showrunners trying to like throw us off in a different direction. Yeah. Uh if so it certainly worked. <laughs> um I also thought it was weird like we didn't really see people full on rioting after their insight profiles came out in previous episodes, like we saw some people, you know, looting stores or like running around in the streets kind of rogue, but we didn't really see anything in terms of this like large scale riot, which just kind of came to be. Um, Mm -hmm. We also see this, this part once he's like reunited with giggles and Ash played by Marshawn Lynch and Lena Waithe where Giggles gets like shot as he's trying to get to the as Caleb's trying to get to this police chopper, 
And I was wondering, and I kind of asked you this earlier, is like, are we supposed to care about these two? <laughs> right. Yeah, there was, we certainly didn't spend a lot of time with them. And that goes for some other characters in here that we, I guess, we're supposed to care about. But yeah, they they were never really formulated a lot as characters. I know they were like helping Caleb, but yeah, when he takes a bullet to kind of sacrifice himself, that allows Caleb to make it to that chopper mm-hmm. to get to headquarters. Um, it just, yeah, it seemed odd. Like you said, like we're yeah. missing some sort of emotional connection that the writers were hoping that we had, but I mean, not really. Which they, which they seriously played up because they had this sort of, melodramatic scene where Ash was like like you gotta get to the chopper and he's like you go back and and take care of him or something and like this kind of just kind of we've done before really dramatic scene of like sacrificing oneself to get some to some end and it just didn't land for me mm-hmm. um, I was just so bored of it well I didn't realize that he sacrificed himself at first I thought he just happened to take a stray bullet I yeah, I guess that's just... more how it went down. Yeah, I, no, I think he was supposed to sacrifice himself that way. I just, I didn't, it didn't set that up very well. Right. I guess you can't really ask too much of Marshawn in terms of. Yeah. You know, I just imagine what it must be like for the director of this episode to be like sitting down with Marshawn and trying to like <laughs> guide him along. You know, laying on the ground, pretend this hurts from a bullet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Marshawn. Here's your motivation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Marshawn. It was kind of cool. They could, they did have him do a few like running back bull rushes of yeah. riot shields and and that sort yeah. of thing. That was cool. Um, and he snagged a tear gas canister out of midair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No skittles, but yeah. Close. It's probably why. He, it's probably why it went down. Mm-hmm. And also um, that, that helicopter is just like, like, was the password for that chopper password? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he can just control it and fly away. It's like, ask no questions about its new owner. Right. I guess that's like if you leave the keys in your car, but you'd think AI would be a little bit more sophisticated than that. Especially the, that little like quadcopter thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like jumping into a police cruiser with his door open and just like taking off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't locked. It was left on. Deserved to be. I mean, stolen. I guess you can't really blame him in a riot, right? Probably panic yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Anyway. Um. So, while Caleb is on his way to Insight, Bernard arrives at his destination in Los Altos Hills, California. Uh. And it turns out that his destination is the home of Arnold's wife, Lauren, who is old with age. And they sort of reminisce about their son, Charlie. And Bernard more or less kind of goes through this reconciliation um, and sort of alludes to Bernard, or not Bernard, of Ford having sent him here for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh after that scene, Dolores wakes up hooked up to Rehoboam with Serac trying to extract the Delos data while deleting her memories on the way. Caleb makes it to Insight 
but is intercepted by Maeve and her Serac's cronies before he can upload the drive. Serac shows him that Dolores' strategy will eventually result in the end of human civilization, and he is flabbergasted. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go into this next bit, too, because they kind of go a little bit hand-in-hand. Hand. Mm-hmm. Um, at the main control panel of the Rehoboam, Maeve, because she has some sort of like electromagnetic omniscience or omnipresence, Maeve discovers that Rehoboam controls Serac, telling him what to say and do, and that Serac has kind of given himself up to Rehoboam for years. Maeve tries to coax the key out of Dolores' mind at Serac's request, but she discovers that she doesn't have the key. In a virtual world, Dolores tells Maeve that she gave the key to someone she trusts and that she chooses to see the beauty in the world, not the ugliness. She then urges Maeve to choose a side. Maeve kills Serac and the gang, then shows Caleb that Dolores chose him not because of his capacity for violence, but because of his ability to choose, because he saved her during the military training in Part 5. She also reveals that Dolores gave Caleb control while she was hooked up, and he orders Rehoboam to erase itself. Yeah, so it turns out that Dolores's opening monologue was for her benefit, and we've seen in this kind of um, scene that it inspired Maeve to rebel against Serac. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess this entire time we were led to believe that Dolores was out to like destroy humanity and end, the, end their world and do all this thing. But really she admired it seemed like humanity and yes wanted to destroy everything but to rebuild it as a better place um i don't know if i think it would have just been better just leave her as wanting to just destroy humanity i think that would have been a better story yeah and like, this is, again, just kind of like one of those twists. It's like, oh, Dolores isn't the bad guy. She's really been doing this all along because she loves humans. Like, she loves, like, the beauty in the world. Mm-hmm. Even though everything that she's done up until this point suggests that she thinks that humans are, like, the bane of the planet and are responsible for nothing but ugliness because of her, you know, experiences at the park. But we learned that all along she's anchored on William picking up a can of peas for her and you know, whatever else. Um, and this seemed like it was like, especially with the score and, you know, um, Evan Rachel Wood and Tanny Newton's kind of jobs in this scene where they're out in this field talking was supposed to be like this very emotional scene. And again, it just didn't seem to land for me. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and this is, like going back this like the whole the third season of Westworld this entire season just ends in like a flurry of action and monologuing about either the beginning or the end of the world and i guess depending on how you look at it and mm-hmm. like it just didn't seem purposeful i guess it just seems like it just suited the outcome that the the showrunners wanted to Right. In season three on almost. Right. And, and, and again, it just doesn't seem like the Westworld that we were kind of hooked into 
in season one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and it, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, like we we touched on this before, but it's like Dolores anchored her leader of her revolution to change humanity on this one soldier who convinced his buddies it wasn't okay to like rape a bunch of humanoid hosts. Right. Um, just felt really weird. Um, but I will say like in the scene, um, especially like the, the scene where Maeve cuts the lights and like takes out Serac and the gang mm-hmm. um, was really, really interesting to watch. Um, and the setting where all this take, takes place and Serac kind of does his monologues and, threatens um caleb and dolores and mave felt really ominous with the rehoboam kind of floating above them in this ominous kind of ominous way right. um, i thought it was really cool but um you know that the, the actual events that took place there just kind of fell flat for me right yeah um and so in kind of the last sequence of events bernard and Stubbs. after bernard's kind of talked with his his inspirations wife who thinks mm-hmm. it's actually Arnold. They, uh, they retreat to the hotel that they've been hiding out at. Uh, Bernard reveals that he has the key to the sublime and he wants to go there to see what comes after the end of the world. He plugs in, uh, seemingly sees some, some stuff. And while Bernard, while stuff is kind of worried about him, he kind of shuts down. Maeve then asks Caleb if he's ready for the new world where you can be whoever you want. In the distance, we see buildings explode. Um, I'm also played over uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which is pretty cool. In a post credit scene, we see William storm a Delos facility in Dubai and encounter Hullorus. Um and he kind of, again, goes on his good guy monologue, telling them how he's going to destroy all the hosts. Uh, but before he can do that, a clone of himself in the man in black persona attacks him and slits his throat. It's then revealed that Delos has a bunch of host-making machines in the same facility that Holoris is kind of consolidating her affairs. Um, so they may be cloning or replicating who knows what. Um, and then in the very last shot, we see Bernard awakened in the hotel room, covered in dust from his trip to the sublime. Um, and that's season three. Yeah. So even similar to William at the end of the episode, the post credit scene and with Ciroc, um, after his little demise, we, it seems like big characters like that. Um, and even I guess Dolores, I guess she's supposed to be dead or gone, but not seeing them die on screen is always left to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like, are we going to see Dolores, the real man in black? Are we going to see, you know, right. Ciroc in season four again? Because we never see them truly die, which is a big thing for any of these types of shows. HBO does it all the yep. time. Um, so yeah, that, that end credits scene was really cool. I liked how we get to see Holoris. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess she's more hale than Dolores now, but she's more on like that kill all human like mode 
that Dolores' line of thinking was. Yeah. Which I think, like, she, I, yeah. Yeah, it's like the real Dolores who seemingly sacrificed herself in this episode was like solidified as the good one. Dolores, sort of that evil side of her that wanted to wipe out human ex- existence. Right, which I agree was the better storyline. So hopefully they can kind of take this and yeah, and run with it a little bit. Um, but like she, she's underground, and then there's hundreds of rows of hosts being created. Mm-hmm. Um, like from which pearls are they being created, and like of who, and are they right. going to be copies of her or? You know, we don't know if they're going to be different people, but. So my theory is kind of in a parallel. The the kind of post-credit sequence at the end of last season was of William entering the fidelity test with his daughter, mm-hmm. which they didn't really explain at all in this season. Um, and we know that Delos's goal was to try, their immortality project was to essentially try to successfully um put somewhat like the essence of someone someone's mind or their existence um into the body of a host and not have it like freak out so what i think we're seeing in this post credit sequence is the f- like first possibly or you know one successful result of this immortality project in cloning william successfully but taking like his bad parts his like man in black persona um, and so this is why it feels like a reset for me because what I figured season three was going to be all about was, um, like hosts of real people being made and then having them replace them in the real world. So that like the hosts, you kind of complete this world dominance, you know? Yeah. Huh. Did that know. make sense? It does. Yeah. And I really like the, the, um, the second, I guess, post-credit scene right. with Bernard in that motel room, covered in dust. Um, yeah, it's it's really only like a ten-second shot. Like he, um, how long do you think he's been there? Poor Stubbs is just rusting away in the tub. Right, and yeah, poor Stubbs. Who this whole episode, Stubbs just gets the short end of the stick, man. Like Bernard was like, "I'll I'll patch you up, Stubbs, but first I've got to talk to Dolores." And just like goes on this like reconciliation trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so because of the amount of the dust, you know, seemingly plenty of time has passed. Um, but another cue I took from the dust was perhaps some sort of like nuclear event or like mass casualty event. Right. Which was predicted by the Rehoboam if it was destroyed. Yeah, it's. Um, I didn't think it was funny that Bernard. He, like he put on that helmet and drifted off into like the sublime while like sitting on a bed in a motel room um because you know if we hadn't gotten an update it would like if we didn't know this post credit scene happened it kind of reminded me of like um Huel at the end of breaking bad where he was just like ordered to just sit in this motel room and he just stayed there until he was told to leave Right. So that that came to mind and I thought it was kind of funny. Sure. But yeah, yeah, we see him covered in dust. Like what did he see? Where did he go? What was mm-hmm. he doing? Like what timeline like is he waking up to? Um Right. 
it could be thousands of years in the future. It could be a couple hundred years. Um, so that'll be interesting to see kind of what happens or what he saw and where he is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess it's all on the table for now since we know nothing of season four and yeah, and seemingly those hosts that were kind of zapped into that sublime are seemingly protected. It seemed like Serac kind of met his end. Mm -hmm. But again, we don't really know that. We don't really know that Dolores is dead. You know, the life of the host really comes from the control unit, and we didn't see that, you know, her control unit was destroyed. So, yeah. Like, they didn't hesitate to bring both Dolores and Maeve back in this episode after killing them last episode. So at this point, character resurrections seem like they've kind of lost their weight and they can just throw them around how they want. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So so do you think that we have seen the last of Dolores? Personally, no. Um, she's kind of the face of the franchise so far. You know, all the headlines about the finale or all the, you know, the articles that have been written mm -hmm. are talking about Dolores' death, quote unquote, but you said it yourself that you never really know truly if someone's gone into, unless you see them just get like, you know, life comes from the control unit. So unless somebody like crushed up her control unit, I would, I would assume that she's probably gonna be back. Yeah. Um, I had a couple other questions that I kind of wrote down was, yeah, Dolores, mm -hmm. um, does the end of Dolores free the other host? Like, Dolores gives a speech about mm -hmm. how like all the hosts were, you know, really based on her and Charlotte seems pretty independent both in the episode and the post credit scene. And like with all of these hosts in the other room, it feels, it feels so safe to say that even like the Dolores clones are now like mm -hmm. independent thinkers kind of freed from the original Dolores. So like, does that mean all these other hosts that were copied of Dolores are now free thinking? Sure. I mean, we already saw that they were kind of making their way towards being their own person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the people that the body that they occupy that they're supposed to be acting as kind of started to take over their psyche. Yeah. Um, I don't think so because you know, the idea is it's like separate control units that were all Dolores that were put inside these people's heads. So Dolores still kind of lives in there just from the essence of uh, the pearls that um, these characters had. So I wouldn't say that they're necessarily freed of her. There's still some bit of Dolores left. You know, we talked about the vengefulness uh, of Haloris, which is definitely kind of an inherent trait of Dolores throughout most of the season and the last season. So um, I wouldn't say independent, no. Did we see how exactly Charlotte made the William host? The man in black? Yeah. Host? No, he just kind of comes out of the dark. <laughs> it seems like replicating a human being in a host body mm -hmm. doesn't seem exactly as easy as just like hitting, you know, print. His control unit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe she, I guess, gained access to the data from the original Delos project to, like, create him just from getting a bunch of information about him. Sure. Or whatever information was collected from what we still don't really know of that, like, last end of season credit scene 
where William essentially did the fidelity test. Right, right. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, this season, season four probably won't be out for another two years at least. Dude. Yeah, so we'll have some yeah. some time to mull this series over. Mm-hmm. Due to everything going on now and and all that stuff, but yeah, with the delays from coronavirus, likely. I don't think they'd even started filming for season four yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any, uh, I mean, those are kind of our final thoughts. So do you have any other final thoughts for season three of Westworld? Um, yeah, I think kind of what I, I said in the beginning of the episode that this doesn't really feel like the groundbreaking show it once was, I think still rings true for me. I'll probably still watch season four. Hopefully this almost felt like a, uh, like an intermission. Um, so I'm hoping that they'll come back with some of the stuff that made Westworld so great in the first place. Um, but in the meantime, I'm looking forward to watching other shows. Yeah. There's certainly plenty of other things out there to watch and occupy your time. Um, yeah, I, like we've kind of gone over everything of season three. Um, I, I still think that like the reveal that Ciroc is just parroting like out of the like out the words that Rehoboam gives him yeah was kind of silly um, pretty sad yeah just like another human being it's like humans being controlled by AI versus the opposite effect that we've seen where AI is being controlled by humans I guess that was supposed to mean something but would I have cared probably not um Uh, but anyway before we get going we do have one piece of listener mail to get to yes so this is from michael again you can tweet these questions or scenarios at us at c2c podcasting on twitter or you can go to the messaging section on anchor.fm slash coast podcast there's a text option and then there's a video or a audio option no one's done the audio option yet i think it'd be really cool you can record your question and we can actually play it live on here and answer your your call or your question kind of in an audio way we can hear you ask the question essentially that would be cool um so michael says what game show would be the best setting for a horror movie i'm not up on what game shows are on nowadays but i'm thinking it is the price is right he goes in to kind of explain um, Drew Carey on this wheel and the Plinko boards actually spikes and contestants being dropped down on the board, being impaled. Um, <laughs> and he concludes his scenario with, am I missing a game show that is a better setting for a sudden breakout of a horror movie? And why has Hollywood not done this before or have they? And I just missed it, which is entirely possible. Well, I don't think Hollywood wants to mar any of the beloved TV shows that we know and love, like Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. Um, yeah. But I guess just kind of with what's out there, there have been a few shows that kind of take this, or a few movies that have sort of taken this game show approach. Um, you know, there's one out on Netflix right now called Circle, where like 50 people wake up in this room, and if they touch or leave their little circle... Uh, they get like zapped out of existence. The people get voted off. Now, that one's kind of interesting. 
Um, and then there's all you know, Saw kind of has game show like right. tendencies, yeah. or even Cabin Cabin in the Woods is a bit like that as well. People mm-hmm. taking bets on how these people are going to meet their demise. Um, but you had some pretty funny ideas about uh, how we could maybe revise some of the current game shows that are out there. <laughs> yeah, to horrific effect. <laughs> um, I really have two. First is uh, Wheel of Fortune. I think we both mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it's Wheel of Fortune, but Pat and Vanna have, like, people strapped to the wheel and, like, spinning <laughs> and screaming with, like, blood flying everywhere as, you know, they just kind of, like, cackle with, like, that um, villainous. Game show. Yeah, game show with kind game of show personality. Twist. Yeah. Yeah, and um, my second one was Jeopardy, which I think you also mentioned, which is like mm-hmm. um, any contestants that don't make it to Final Jeopardy because they ended with like a negative score, they just get sent down this trap door from like under the podium, <laughs> and they're kind of like in this like Trebek torture pit that they're just sent there to work off all the debt that they just accrued during their time on the show. And while they're working, they have to listen to Trebek. Like drone on and on about like French literature and uh-huh. operas and things like that. Yeah, and and you know I've watched hundreds of episodes of Jeopardy, and we never see where those people go who don't make it to Final Jeopardy. So and how, <laughs> how can true. we how can we rule Anybody it out? Follow up with these people. <laughs> where do they go after the show? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, like I feel like you could take any game show. Because most of the game shows are about like eliminating other people, like somebody loses, and you just make the dynamic of losing that those people get killed in some gruesome way would probably turn it into a, a horror movie pretty quickly. Yeah, you no, know, sure. Survivor instead of going to the jury and the tribal council, like they just axe your axe you right there. Yeah, they actually kill you. The Bachelor. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, but... Ellen's, Ellen's, Ellen's Game of Games. Yeah, that one's fun, though. I like that one. Like, who knows where those people go after they get trapped on that shoot? Mm-hmm. Where do they go? Only Ellen knows. <laughs> but that that was a terrific email. Um, yeah, thank I, you for that one. Uh, I am Michael. a little terrified of you, Michael, um, for having <laughs> these thoughts. You got a sick mind. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, um, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Again, we are going to be covering The Last Dance as well on exclusive dives of episodes. And then um, we'll kind of get back to our normal two to three topic episodes after that. So, again, subscribe, leave reviews, share this with people. That's the best way that we can get out there. And for now, we will talk at you next time. See you then. Bye.